Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast on SB Nation, a Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, and as always, I'm joined here by our friend Evan Lang. How's it going, everybody? And Mac is currently living it up on an airplane to New York for some unknown reason. And instead, we decided to call in a guy off the bench, our good buddy Kenneth Weber from the Pebble Report podcast. Kenneth, how are you doing? Good. I prefer to be called New Mac in this episode um, <laughs> because I'm just I'm just going to go ahead and fill his shoes real well while he's flying the plane because I'm assuming that's what he's doing. How is that new NU or NEW? Both. First one then the other. How how good with, is... with him being so hardcore, he's like new metal Mac, so I'll go <laughs> NU. How good is your Kingdom Hearts knowledge? <laughs> it's subpar compared to old Mac, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. No, well uh... Max always Max a busy man, so we're happy for Kenneth to, to join in. How are things going over with the Pebble Report? I know you do the the Pebble Report report article uh, every Monday, and you're always working with Justin Wick over on the podcast. How are things going over there? It's it's going well. Um, we're going to be we're prepping right now the all April team. Um, we kind of have to wait for the month to finish though. So uh i mean that that uh podcast is going to be coming out soon and then otherwise you always see the articles on monday morning uh just giving an overview of the system and there's a lot of uh good things to take away i mean the big names are doing their thing uh riley pint has been looking good and the only concern is we have a lot of our top pitchers uh still on the shelf over the first month so you know for the system as a whole that's one thing to just keep an eye on but the pebble report is flourishing as always yeah, it's good, and you always do good work with that, and I think Evan and I, we don't talk about him as much on here, but I think 
we're getting excited about Rocky's prospects and everything. Uh, Evan, are you excited about Ezekiel Tovar? Ezekiel Tovar and Drew Romo have both just been absolutely lights out to start the minor league season. And then a guy who I've really been impressed with is the undrafted free agent from the 2021 draft, Luke Taggart out of Oklahoma, who's been really, really good down in Spokane. It's fun stuff. Well, <laughs> I don't pay as much attention mostly on like the, the weekends for our rock piles when we're doing the minor league stuff. Uh, but the fun thing with the minor leagues was, what was it, the other day, our good buddy Todd Helton going around the minor leagues, and <laughs> DJ Peterson gets called out on a pitch clock violation, so he gets called out because he's taking a little too long to get into the box. He gets called out, and the umpire turns to the dugout, throws somebody out. Turns out it was Todd Helton who was on assignment there <laughs> in his duties as a special assistant. Um this just cracks me up. I don't know what your guys' reaction to that story was. I'm looking forward to Todd Helton having like a specific role, not just as a special consultant, but as like a nationwide cantankerous dugout presence. <laughs> so now he's just he's he's unamused with the state of baseball, and he's going to go around the country to different minor league parks and let the umpires know. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I role. bet he's pleased his punch to be back in the dugout, though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's good to have Helton around. And, and I th- it's so good for all these young players to pick his brain and you know get that expertise and you know this is what success in a Rockies uniform looks like and part of this organization. And so him being able to go around and share that knowledge is invaluable. Oh, kind of hard to find a better priceless. hitter to learn from in Rockies history. Yeah. No, so it's good for him, and I do like that idea of him just being this curmudgeon old man in every dugout yelling at, <laughs> yelling at the umpires. Do you think he'll evolve into just, like, the full-fledged beard? Because, like, there was the, the Todd Helton 2.0 with the goatee. Maybe as he becomes a, a dugout manager or, you know, hitting coach, what have you, the, the beard just grows in length until he becomes the hitting wizard one of these days. <laughs> I don't know. He's kept the goatee for for quite some time now where the goatee's just been sort of his standard. It's slowly just eating his face. I saw the picture <laughs> the other day where he looks like Kenny Rogers. And so it's just going to slowly just envelop his face and maybe he just starts letting it grow down and down. Maybe the uh, every Rockies player ever account should do one of those great Twitter threads where it's like for every 50 likes. I'll increase the size of Todd Helton's goatee. And then it just like it ends up just eating the entire galaxy. Uh, I'm not that good at Photoshop, so well, nobody requests that. But... I've already planted the seeds, man. Too late. <laughs> Called his shot. But hey, we, we but it's good to have Todd Helton around, but we've still got plenty of modern day Rockies to talk about. Uh tons of stuff. Rockies had their first long road trip of the season, uh, so Rocky, road Rockies were in full swing doing the thing where they went to Detroit and Philadelphia, two very different series of play, uh, so we've got all that. Talking about our buddy Chad Cool, who's the new Rockies pitcher, uh, talking about Brendan Rodgers, his struggles, and all kinds of stuff, and we'll have our April MVPs and picks and stuff at the back half of the show, so... Tons to talk about, but something I wanted to kind of lead off here. No, but one of the reports that keeps coming out with the Rockies is guys are sitting out with 
back soreness, back tightness, all these back injuries. And currently Brendan Rodgers has been held out. Uh, Chris Bryant's been held out, been held out because of it. Randall Gritchick dealt with it a little bit. Um, something to, to touch on here. What's with all the back back soreness and back injuries here? Any ideas? I wish I knew because it really is getting a little weird just how often we've had guys scratched from the lineup or held out because of this back soreness. Like you said, Bard, Gritchick, Rogers, uh, Bryant. Like, it seems like everybody's getting a little bit of this back soreness, and I don't know if it's part of, like, the current training regimen or something else, but we really need this team to be fully healthy. And if everybody's walking around with their back hurting, that's, you know, not going to happen. Yeah, I uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just the find the excuse because they're not 100%. Um, especially early in the season and with a, an expanded roster. Um, just, you know, having having the big picture in mind. And if they're not good to go, if, you know, whatever it may be, um, just sit them and call it back soreness. Maybe this is like the evolution of roster management publicly announced, kind of like hockey is, where a guy can, like, be decapitated and he's out with an upper body injury. Hmm. And so, like, I don't know, maybe everything just falls into the umbrella of back soreness. So, maybe I'm just... It's true. Definitely possible. They're being nefarious. I also wonder, too, of... <laughs> this is Jack Corgan kind of talking about this, too, of just the different hotel beds, you know, different quality and all that, and just rotating around, always sleeping on these different beds. If that can play a factor into it sometimes, too, because <laughs> I think... Jack Corgan on the radio the other day was talking about Mike Redmond's like, well, maybe we need to start staying in the Econo Hut type thing. <laughs> uh, they so, need a traveling Tempur-Pedic. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep number mattress for the Rockies. <laughs> All right. But you know, I, I wonder if that's a factor, too, just the different environments. Because I'm the same way. It depends. You get so used to a bed at home and then traveling all around. You can get funky with your bat. And then with all the twisting and everything they do, lifting-wise. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a, it is a strange mystery that so many back injuries keep. It's not putting anybody out, but it's just bothering them a bit, which it's just bizarre. And we're all getting old. Our backs hurt. Yeah, I mean my my back hurt just click and record. So <laughs> I can imagine how it feels when you're trying to, you know, go through twenty games in thirty days. Mm-hmm. Twenty five and thirty, whatever the number is. Yeah, we we lied actually that Max not on a plane. He's just out with back soreness from the podcast. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, hopefully they figure that out and get everybody healthy, just like you said, Evan. Because we need everybody healthy for this lineup to really start clicking. Um, because injuries add to slumps, and then slumps add to bad road journeys for the Rockies. So let's just go ahead and jump into that with our. Road Rockies, as we said, they went to Detroit last weekend. They took two of three there, um, including giving up Miguel Cabrera's 3,000th career hit, which was a big moment in a 13 to nothing loss uh, to Detroit. And then they go to Philadelphia for four games, and they get swept in that series. Uh, and just open the floor here. Evan, what what did you notice from this road trip? The good, the bad? Just what was your takeaway from this first long road trip of the season 
so that first uh, game in Detroit, which was the absolute blowout where uh, some of the trends of the series definitely showed up, especially the, the getting singled to death. Rockies pitching, especially the starting pitching, giving up a lot of contact, but mostly for singles. So in that 13 nothing blowout against the Tigers, 18 of the Tigers' 20 hits were singles. And it was just absolutely brutal. Everybody got rocked that game. And you're sitting there going, oh no, the Road Rockies. Because we all remember last year just how painfully bad the Rockies were on the road. But then they turned right back around and took the next two games of the series. And you think, oh, okay, well, you know, we gave up a stinker, but then turned it around. There's going to be a clunker every now and then, so... Let's just keep on keeping on. And then the series in Philadelphia was one of the most completely ugly series of Rockies baseball I have ever watched. Just like, for the most part, nothing worked correctly. And unfortunately, for some of the starting pitchers who pitched pretty well, Kyle Freeland, uh, Austin Gomber, it just ends up not even really coming to terms with how they pitched well, but the team just completely let them down. We had a couple bullpen implosions where, you know, sure was nice that first week where we had the best bullpen in baseball, right? And then um, what's really been crazy is the, the situational hitting on the road especially continues to be really bad because the Rockies have been putting up hits and just not scoring runs. The... The Rockies had plenty of hits in last night's game and scored one run. And it's been it's been that overall clutch and situational batting that was an issue last year, it continues to be an issue this year, where we're just leaving tons of people on base, we're not getting runs scored, and then due to the other things that we're going to talk about here, we're just getting completely blown out of the water. That series in Philadelphia was really really ugly where we gave up what was it at least seven runs for each game mm-hmm. uh yeah so eight runs ten runs seven runs seven runs and the rockies failed to score more than three runs in any of the four games against philadelphia and a lot of the runs that we're giving up were unearned what was it we gave up something like 10 unearned runs during this road trip and that brings us to the the main thing is that just the complete failing of the defense where we put up seven errors against the Phillies and some of them on routine plays. The opener in Philly was the worst where we had three errors, but we had at least two in the other games. It was really, really, really just rough to watch because you're watching guys like Ryan McMahon totally botch these routine plays where Ryan McMahon already has almost as many errors in this road trip that he did in the entirety of his 2021 season where he should have won the gold glove. And we'll, we'll probably go into this a little bit more in depth later, but you have to wonder what's wrong there. If it's just mental errors, is he getting in his own head? Is there an injury we don't know about? Is it the, the issues with the ball where uh, getting a grip on it has been difficult? Um, since the the ball has been changed again for the 2022 season but this series was brutal it was it was a whole lot of no fun and i am very glad to be out of philadelphia 
Yeah, it was rough. And I want to get Kenneth in on this. What were the failings that you were noticing with just pitching and the defensive side of the ball? We already know the struggles with the offense. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But what failings were you seeing when the Rockies weren't up to bat? Um, I mean, Evan did a really good job on the defense just falling apart. Um, There's no specific explanation to give on positioning or um, preparation. It's just, I mean, they fell flat on their face, especially in the Philadelphia series. So that was very apparent just watching the games. Um, I think Evan really touched on it, but to expand the point, the bullpen was the story of the hot start. Rockies have the best bullpen in baseball. They're shutting everybody down. Look at them go. This is giving us hope. Well, over this road trip in Philadelphia and Detroit combined, they had 21 and a third innings, and they uh, threw to the tune of a 9.28 ERA in that span. Their walk rate was the worst in baseball from a bullpen at 15.3%, and their strikeout rate was just a tick under 19%, which was the fifth worst in that time. So we had this lights-out bullpen that got us out to, what was it, a 10-4 and start somewhere in that ballpark, and they were winning a lot of close games. Well, now, a lot of tough innings from a lot of different sources, and that's resulting in pretty bad bullpen play. And they just dropped, you know, five out of seven um, on the road trip. So I think that that's one where you can specifically target. Starting pitching has been fine, but once that starting pitcher has been out of the game, it's gotten out of hand quick. And bad defense and continued tough goings from the bullpen was just all on display in that Philadelphia series. Well, yeah, and, and it's that bad defense, too, with some of our starters where Kyle Freeland was doing pretty solid in that first start, but then you know, a dropped fly ball in the outfield that between Charlie Blackman and Randall Gritchick, where it looked like Blackman was underneath it, going to be ready to catch, and then he just stops and the ball drops between them, scores a couple runs. You know, so uh, When the starting pitching hasn't been solid, which unfortunately – it hasn't been for a lot of our main guys. You know, Marquez, Senzatella, Freeland, they've kind of been wishy-washy here. And then add in bad defense, that just when the Rockies aren't up to the plate, it's been it was stressful during this road trip. Um, which is weird because the Rockies are terrible on the road, even pitching nowadays, which is just bizarre. But something that I wanted to point out here to you guys have here fifty runs were given up during this whole uh road trip 50 runs given up on 69 hits uh, they were outscored 32 to 9 in Philadelphia and we t- mentioned this a little bit but the Rockies pitchers are getting singled to death where 10 extra base hits in Philadelphia four in Detroit they're not giving up a bunch of home runs that's not the thing that's killing the Rockies but they're just giving up single after single we're on the season 135 total singles have been hit uh, as of recording here on April 29th. Is that, you know, kind of mind-boggling to you? Or how do we defend against the single and stop getting singled to death? I mean, it's tough because a decent amount of our pitching staff is pitched to contact, where Gomber and uh, Marquez are are the strikeout guys. And Chad Cool is somewhere sort of in the middle, but... You know, Freeland and Sensatella especially tend to be, um, they tend to be your pitch to contact guys. And I do want to talk about Antonio Sensatella, who's today's starter. 
is that he is not following sort of his formula for success as a pitch-to-ground ball uh, contact pitcher that he's had over the last couple of seasons where he is not keeping the ball on the ground. Um, every other season, he's had a a pretty strong ground ball rate of at least 45% or higher. And starting this year, he's got an even percentage between ground balls and uh, line drives right now. So he's getting more liners out there and more solid contact against him than the weak contact we're used to. And that's been an issue for him where he's, he's still giving up a lot of hits. And normally that wouldn't be a problem because if, if all of these hits are, you know, singles and you expect him to get that ground ball contact and the Rockies are getting a decent amount of ground ball contact. They're turning lots of double plays. They lead the league in double plays turned, especially on ground outs, but the Rockies are still getting just single to death, single to death, single to death. And that's already a problem. But then when you throw in these defensive miscues where balls are dropping that don't necessarily have to drop, or you're not necessarily getting the same heads-up defense that's allowing for it when it's not credited as an error, more hits to happen. It's just sort of a, I don't want to say a failure, but it's a lack of cohesion with the whole unit on the field in terms of getting it done. And part of me wonders, and I hate to be the you know old man yells at new technology thing, but... We've also seen a start to the season of locations not really being where you expect them to be for our rotation. And I'm really wondering how much of that is the new ball and how much of that is still getting used to pitchcom and miscommunications caused by pitchcom and anything like that. It's not something that I think is like the the be all end all, but it's definitely something to think about of adapting to this new technology and, you know, it it isn't necessarily a coincidence that we're starting the season with this new thing that we've never used before, and we're also starting the season with some some difficulties with pitch location and pitching in general. What are your thoughts on that, Kenneth? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up um, Pitchcom and the new baseball, which are some variables that we can speculate on, um, but we can't say with any sort of assurance. But I know that with the new baseball, there's plenty around the league who are seeing balls smoked that aren't going anywhere. So maybe it has the same effect on balls that would stay up that are kind of dropping um, in front of the outfield. Maybe. Maybe there's absolutely nothing to that, but I don't fully discredit that. Um, I want to touch on Sensatella a little bit because this also um, plays into what I think is the bigger factor, where I think that there's just an adjustment that's needing to be made by a couple of guys in the starting rotation um, based off of the league adjusting to them. As Evan mentioned, the ground ball rate is down. He's about 14% down from his normal where he's hovering around 50%. He's hanging around 38% right now. Um, The line drives are up for him, but specifically guys are going the other way against Sensatella more than they have ever in the past. He's just under 35% where normally he lives about 10%, give or take, below that. So they're going the opposite way a quarter of the time. Now they're taking him the other way more frequently. So I think that 
with the success that Sensatella has had over the past couple of seasons and the way he's been able to get hitters out, there's a new book on him this season. And I think that it's something that he's going to have to adjust to. And this, you know, could be true of Freeland as well. This could be true um, of really any starting pitcher where they're kind of having to start behind the eight ball a little bit because there's a different approach from hitters in the box against them this season. Um, so we'll see how that adjusts. I don't necessarily think there's anything different in the stuff of each of these starters, respectively, or uh, you know, respectively. I think that there's just a different approach that they're having to battle against. That is that is true because you look at things like his hard hit percentage and his exit velocity, is that those are are right in line with his career numbers. So they're not necessarily getting the ball out harder. And they're not necessarily hitting it more or less hard than they usually do against him. But like you said, they're they're going the opposite way against him more, and he is getting hit more still. Yeah, the line drives and the opposite field both going up simultaneously kind of indicates that, especially on a right-handed batter, he's not getting those rollovers. They're sitting back, and instead of getting out in front on that outside pitch and taking it to the left side and getting themselves out, which is, you know, as a contact-oriented pitcher, they made the adjustment to sit back on those pitches, go the other way, and now they're smoking them a little bit more hard through the right side. It's hard, unless, you know, you're peak Troy Tulewitzki to take those out over right field as a right-handed hitter, so that's resulting in a lot more singles going that way. So there is an explanation in the stats, to me at least, on how hitters are approaching somebody like Sensatella. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think there's just I think like you mentioned, there's adjustments that need to be made across the board with you know the main guys in that rotation because I think with Herman Marquez right now, he's looked rough. Currently, his hard hit balls that are getting hit off of him, hard hit percentage about forty nine point four percent. So sends or Marquez is getting hit pretty hard at the moment. Everything else, line drives, ground line drives are up a little bit. Ground balls, fly balls. His batted balls are pretty normal across the board for him, but his strikeout rate's down right now, and he's just getting hit hard. And so it could be a mixture of a lot of things, mislocations, the new ball, pitchers are trying to figure it out. Uh, pitch calm, from what it sounds like, it's not as bad, uh, but it's still, that could play a factor into things of getting used to that. Maybe you mishear something, and just locations, everything. There's something funky going on when it comes to that pitching and we know the Rockies are going to be good. They need good, solid pitching to really carry them. That's what got them to those playoffs in 2017 and 18. And when the offense has been failing, pitching has been at least been able to keep it close, keep it competitive and try to give them an opportunity to, to score. But something's happening now where it's, they're not as effective as they could be. Um, but something that I want to touch on real quick before we get to Chad Cool was speaking of those missed offensive opportunities, the Rockies continue to just be terrible when it comes to hitting with runners in scoring position, where as of today, on April 29th, they're currently 39 for 167. So they're slashing 234, 323, 353 with runners in scoring position with 40 strikeouts, 21 walks, and they've driven in 52 runs. Uh, They've got some home runs. They've got some doubles. I didn't count those up, but overall, runners in scoring position seem to be the glaring problem that continues to happen for this team. Uh, Evan, 
what have you noticed with those runners in scoring position and how can they improve upon that? A big thing that I've been pointing out, especially during this Philly series, is that it seems to me that as soon as this team goes down in terms of score, the plate approach and plate discipline completely goes out the window. Where, And a, a really good microcosm of this is Brendan Rodgers, uh, who I discussed in my Thursday Rock Pile, where, especially with runners in scoring position, even if he's getting a leverage in the count, he's not doing anything with it. But we're seeing that with a lot of guys, where... They are taking shorter, less quality at-bats. They're they're swinging and being more aggressive and not necessarily getting anything done with it. And I think it, it definitely is an issue, especially when we've been down pretty early in pretty much every one of those games against Philadelphia. But it, it, it's really tough because we know as, as, much, as maligned as that phrase is that you know this team is going to hit and they have been getting hits like the the majority of the team is hitting pretty well but then uh, you know the the slumps in the road trip notwithstanding pretty much everybody's hitting above 250 right now except for Brendan Rodgers and you turn around and you see them just not really getting it done with runners in scoring position at all and it really, to me, I think has got to be the plate approach where, like I said, they're just not taking disciplined at-bats with runners in scoring position. What do you think, Ken? Yeah, the... I think there's a lot of pressing going on um, to try to, every time you have the opportunity, be the one that gets it done. Um, and I think that that's just resulting in a lot of four balls in play because you look at it I mean they're in the bottom third of the league in walks for the season but they're also you know 25th in strikeouts so they're not having a ton of strikeouts they're not having a ton of walks they're not necessarily you know working at bats to Evan's point the way they should be however they are in the top five when it comes to ground ball percentage for the season so you know the line drive rate is also in the bottom third of baseball they're 24th it's not quality contact. It's not worked at bats. I think there's a lot of chasing pitches, getting out on pitchers' pitches, and really kind of not working the at bats and having a tough out one through nine. And instead, they're really pressing to try to get that, you know, get over the hump and get that run home instead of just, ex you know, extending the damage and prolonging the inevitable. And that's when good lineups are really thriving is when you have those long half innings because they're not getting themselves out. They're you know, causing traffic on the base paths, and eventually it's just going to fall apart for a pitcher when they get into that 30th pitch of the inning or you know, the second pitching change. So they're not working pitchers really the way they should be. I think they're just getting themselves out a lot more, and I think that, that speaks uh, volumes to Evan's point of just the approach has just not been there so far. Yeah, and I think – a big part of that is we'll see them have these good innings that are rallying. You know, you get the bases loaded, perfect scoring opportunity. All you need is a fly ball or something. And then it's line drive, ground, double play ball or something mm -hmm. like that. A quick get them out of the inning. So it's like, like you mentioned, Kent, it's not like they're striking out a ton. It's when they're striking out. That's the problem. Those big situations, clutch situations is where they're failing to drive in 
runs, have that big inning, get back into a game. Uh, just missing out on scoring opportunities. Thinking yesterday, uh, Thursday's game against Philadelphia, Sam Hilliard leadoff triple, he doesn't score. Uh, how many situations have we seen with the Rockies, those type of situations? Perfect scoring opportunity, guy on third, less than two outs, and he can't score. Come backer to the pitcher, double play ground ball, and other things like that. So it's something that Dave Magadan, analytics crew, that could play a role into it where we're back down to four people in analytics again. A lack of analytics. Every team scouting on the Rockies is just really good. All these other factors that are just leading to the troubles as a team where they got off to a hot start and then the rest of the league caught up and figured things out and now kind of in a rough patch. Well, and it's weird because a lot of the the ground balls, especially like Kenneth brought up, is kind of in a weird spot where Connor Joe last season hit into one double play in 211 plate appearances. And then so far this season in 83 plate appearances, he's already hit into three. And, and that's, abnormal for what we've seen from him where he he hits a lot of line drives and then another guy is randall gretchick where a big thing with randall gretchick is that he doesn't ground out that much or doesn't put the ball on the ground that much lots of line drives decent fly ball percentage he currently has a career high ground ball percentage of 53.7 percent that's higher than rymel tapia has right now with the toronto blue jays and he's making it work right now because he's slashing 327, 379, 500. But it's that same thing that we had with Tapia where that's not sustainable when you're just driving the ball straight into the dirt. And a lot of people are doing that right now. That super high team ground ball percentage is a problem. And then if they're not putting it on the ground, we're seeing a lot of like ineffectual pop-ups. And we'll talk more about Brendan Rodgers a little bit later, but a great microcosm of sort of this whole plate approach issue that Brendan Rodgers especially is struggling with is it came on the, the April 26th game against the Phillies. CJ Crone and Ryan McMahon both on base. And the uh, the pitcher is having a hard time finding the strike zone because he walked McMahon. Um, he takes a – he fouls off the first pitch that was in the strike zone. Next three pitches all taken for a ball all outside of the strike zone. Pitch number five at this at bat is way above the strike zone, and it would have been ball four, but he swings at it and pops it up to first base. And it's like it's that kind of that plate approach where he had the 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 leverage for the for the count. He had a three and one count and got nothing of it, and no runs would score that inning, and he was the first out of that inning. It's that that plate approach and the the quality of the at-bats is just not there. Yeah. 16 grounded into double plays is tied for the fourth most in baseball. So, I mean, when they're getting runners on base, they're, they're getting twin killings at such a high frequency that it's ending rallies so mm-hmm. quickly. And then their contact percentage inside and outside of the zone is in the top five of baseball. So when they're swinging, they're making contact, but they're – chasing mm-hmm. too frequently and this just gets back to the point i mean they're they're chasing pitches and instead of swinging and missing having a higher strikeout because of it they're putting it in play it's poor contact quality and it's ending up killing the rallies and i mean a lot of it right now is just 
living and dying on a bloop and a blast. I mm-hmm. mean, it has to be get runners on base and then get them in via the home run ball. And mm-hmm. that's that's not the recipe for good, sustainable rallies. That's big innings and then a whole lot of nothing else. Yeah, and this is a whole conversation for another time, but that's been the Rockies' MO for quite a while now. And look where it's gotten them record-wise. <laughs> and in today's baseball, you can't have the Rockies approach and expect to you know, find success and win a World Series. So unless CJ Crone goes back to 55 home runs in the season pace, I mean, then yeah, but you can't put it all on just that one hot bat shoulders. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But hopefully they can figure it out. And we know it's hard. It's a low bar, but the road Rockies were better than what we saw in that Philadelphia series, especially. Uh, so hopefully they can figure it out. Luckily we don't have to play Philadelphia ever again this year. I think. We shouldn't have to. So hopefully they can figure it out, get back to to good plate approach, good bullpens, and stellar defense. That's what we want from the Rockies. But we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, Still plenty to talk about the good, the bad, other stuff. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. Uh, We still got plenty to talk about here. Uh... Still here, Skylar Timmons, Evan Lane, Kenneth Weber, bringing you all the news. We have a new pitcher with the Rockies that we signed this year. Uh, in the wake of John Gray leaving, it was kind of a, well, who's going to be that fifth starter? Rockies went out, got Chad Cool on a pretty easy one-year, $3 million contract. And currently through the month of April, he's the best pitcher that the Rockies have. Which, I don't know if you're like me, but was super surprising I knew he'd be decent, or at least passable, but he has looked phenomenal this month with the Rockies. As of today, April 29th, I'll run through some of these stats here for you. He's currently 2-0. He'll make a start on Saturday after we're recording, so hopefully this all still holds water (laughs) when this comes out on Monday. But he's got a 110 ERA, 16 and a third innings, 8 hits, 2 earned runs, giving up 13 strikeouts, 7 walks. And opponents have a 190 batting average on balls in play. He's got a 47.6% ground ball rate, 38.1% fly ball rate, a 15.7% swinging strike rate, and a 15.3% called strike rate. Chad Cool has been one cool dude this month. Uh, Kenneth, what's been your take on Chad Cool in these kind of these small sample size? I mean, the numbers obviously speak for themselves. He's been very, you know, just very reliable, very solid guy um, getting into the third time through the order um, in all three of his starts. So you have to obviously be happy with the results of Cool um, to this point. And then when you dig a little bit more, there were a lot of people who looked at a low spin, you know, good breaking ball profile and how that has translated to Rockies pitchers in the past um, successfully. One thing with cool that's worth pointing out is he is, and you know, look at Kyle Wright, who's a big story right now. He has become a predominant sinker pitcher um, with the Rockies so far. And the results I think are really reflecting that change. His sinker usage uh, was at 13% in 2021 Uh, fastball percent. There you go. He's always been a, a slider first guy. 
Um, but the forcing fastball was his secondary pitch. Now that sinker and that slider are almost equal on coming in about half the time between the two pitches. So um, 13% up to 41.9% so far. All of the numbers are great across the board for him. And if you like baseball savant, there's a whole lot of red going on when it comes to whiff percentage, barrel percentage, and that's equating over into the expected you know, numbers for him. So it's been good, and I think being a heavy sinker pitcher is exactly the reason why. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting is we saw similar adjust, um, similar pitch repertoire in Justin Lawrence in the bullpen, and that's working really well for him as well with predominantly sinker slider. Um, but Chad Cool's slider is so good, and that's what he's drawing a lot of these whiffs on. And it's got just this really fantastic break to it, and he has it he can have it break in a couple different ways. Uh, we've seen him throw a slider that uh, in a variety of different ways that is working out really, really well for him, where it's definitely a pitch he can lean on. And, you know, some of these numbers aren't necessarily sustainable. Like, he's got an ERA plus right now of 395. That's probably not going to be the case in a couple months. But, you know, with it being so early in the, se- so early in the season – and him having, you know, just a couple starts under his belt. He's been really good. And um, Jameson Tyon, his former teammate in Pittsburgh, who's now with the New York Yankees, was saying that he he thought that, um, honestly, that Cool had just sort of hit a wall in Pittsburgh and that a change of scenery would do him a ton of good. And it's it's hard to disagree right now with just how well he is doing out of the gate. Yeah, and, and something I like that we mentioned here is that slider is just so devastating. It's like an Ottavino prime slider at this point where he has yet to surrender a hit on the slider. And it's his put-away pitch, that 64% whiff rate. And it's his put-away pitch 39% of the time, which is more than double the amount of his sinker at 17%. So that that combination of that sinker and that slider like you mentioned, Kenneth, it's it's devastating. He's getting ahead in the count. He's really cleaned up his walks that he had in that first game when he pitched in Texas. Whatever, but that was because of his finger, mess, figuring out his mechanics. But he's, now he's got a consistent. He's getting ahead in the counts. He attacks him with that sinker, gets ahead, slider, two strikes, see you later. Um, so it's nice to see nice pitch sequencing and execution of his pitch of his two main pitches you know he'll throw in his fastball curveball change up if needed but those two pitches are working really well for him and it's just nice to see that in the wake of John Gray leaving they're able to bring in a guy who's so far really consistent really effective and if he averages out on the season still to his career numbers that's still a pretty good pickup for the Rockies yeah, I mean, you don't sign Chad Cool to a one by three and expect him to anchor your staff, right? It's it's assurance on the back end that you have a pretty reliable piece, and I think he's just performed better to you know than anybody's expectations, including his own. But there's a lot that indicates that there's a specific game plan. Um, we talk about the slider being that extraordinary and that that you know. Um, headliner of a pitch for his arsenal well that's never changed he's always been a predominant slider guy but the sinker in the zone is where he's making his living 
but then he's getting a lot of chase on that uh, slider, and guys just aren't hitting it. I mean, his chase miss percentage is at 95% with his slider. So he's purposefully putting it out of the zone, getting the guys to chase, and when they do, they're not even putting the ball in play. He's getting swinging strikes consistently. And then you, you mentioned being able to mix in those fourth and fifth pitches, those third, fourth, and fifth pitches. He is yet to throw a, a four-seam fastball in the zone. 100% of his forcing fastballs have been out of the zone. Guess where they are? They're up high. They're changing levels, and he's getting a 40% chase rate on that. Now, it's a small sample on that, but he's picking and choosing the spots to throw a wrinkle in guys' expectations, and that's something that you need to do as a pitcher when you face guys multiple times in a game. You have to give them different looks as the game goes on. So he's getting outs in the zone with the sinker. He's getting the heading counts. He's also using his slider in and out of the zone, and he's getting a lot of swing and misses on those sliders. And you know what? If they're showing that they can adjust to two pitches, he'll throw a, a fastball up or a changeup down. And so he's able to mix it up well enough. So it's been nothing but success for Cool, but there's also a lot of indicators that it's his plan that is leading to the success. It's not necessarily a big fluke. Yeah, and that, I think that's really nice. And what's nice is like him or with Austin Gomber, the Rockies have pitchers have a lot more success when the team itself is only trying to make little tiny mechanic changes or like little tiny adjustments to their pitchers, like with Austin Gomber's curveball. They were talking about it in his last start. They made a slight little change with how he's throwing his curveball, and that sucker is bending noon to six every time. And you can see with Chad Cool, they've talked about that. Little minor adjustments little tiny tweaks to what he's already got that's just fine-tuned him a little bit more, and we're seeing those effects you know, when it's good. We've also seen the bad effects when the Rockies have tried to change way too much with their starting pitchers, and it puts them into a big funk, but that's a conversation for another time. But, you know, Evan, what, what's been probably the best thing about Chad Cool for you that either has you excited or has surprised you? I mean, honestly, the thing that gets me excited the most is that slider. Sliders are my favorite pitch to begin with, and his slider is just like, mwah, is so, so nice. It's like you said earlier, it gives you shades of that prime Adam Ottavino slider where it's just deliciously nasty. Mm -hmm. And and it, I love it. I love, love, love it. But another thing that y'all brought up was that he really does have a plan when he's pitching, and he's executing that plan really well because like you said living predominantly sinker slider and then he mixes in some of those other pitches and you can see looking at baseball savant of the locations for those pitches especially his four seam and his curveball of him using those as change of pace pitches um while he's battling the batter and i really like having that solid plan i think chad cool i was a little on the fence about the initial signing because I think a lot of people were, were bringing in a free agent pitcher who was not developed in the organization, but he has some positives that may work well as court, at Coors Field. And so far, for uh, for a one by 3 he's really, really outperforming. And it, it makes you kind of wonder what this might mean for the future of the rotation, because... If Chad Cool pitches well enough through the entirety of the season, do you try and extend him? Do you try and keep him here? And then if you do, what does that mean for uh, our 
closest to major league ready pitchers like you know Ryan Feltner, Ryan Rollis, and stuff like that. But in the in the meantime, at the very least, especially when some of our other guys are are struggling, like um, uh, Marquez and Zatela, you've got these these newer guys in Austin Gomber and now especially Chad Cool coming in and really doing a good job to start the season. And that's something I've wondered about. Is the success? You no, know, we talked about this with Chris Bryan as well. But bringing in these free agent pitchers or pitchers outside of the organization initially, Austin Gomber, Chad Cool, who are doing fairly well. If Chad Cool has that successful season throughout the year, that can kind of help prove to one the organization, but also to maybe players and agents outside of the organization of like, hey, I could go to Colorado and actually be successful you know, with my repertoire that I have. You know, that's something that could be interesting. You know, they're never going to get that high profile. Max Scherzer would never come to Colorado, more than likely. But maybe somebody else would. You know, a little bit more higher profile to help solidify that rotation. You know, that's not a homegrown guy. It's just nice to see guys coming in from outside of the organization having success and kind of changing the persona or, you know, perception of what it means to sign with Colorado uh, as a free agent. So hopefully Cool can keep it going. He's holding down the fort. Hasn't been on the injured list, unlike the guy that he effectively replaced who went to Texas. Um, so that's been nice. But we're happy to have Cool. Hopefully he can keep it up. But one guy... Somebody that's good. Now let's talk about somebody who's having a rough t- go of it. We've alluded to him before. Brendan Rogers. He's just been having the toughest time this month with the Rockies. Just four hits. He's four for 53. A .078 batting average. 172 on base. .098 slugging. Five walks. 16 strikeouts. And a negative one runs weighted runs created which is also a negative 26 weighted runs created plus. He's having a rough go of it. Uh, I'll start with Kenneth here. Uh, what's going on with Brendan Rodgers? Um, it's bad. <laughs> you know, it's you look at the numbers that are just that bleak, and there's very little um, to, to take away positively. And, you know, we talked about if we want to just tour baseball savant, there's a whole lot of red for Chad Cool. Well, if you like the color blue, uh, hang out with Brendan Rogers on there because <laughs> just everything is down hard. And it's on the underlying side, not egregious. You know, there's not this big hole in the swing. There's not a ton of strikeouts. He's not expanding the zone to such a large degree. He's generally just missing pitches. Like, you know, he's just – there was the article with Patrick Saunders – uh, last week where he says he's close, you know, he, he says all the right things and that he's still confident and that the success will come. And, you know, if, if it's just a matter of that split second timing, that different swing plane um, that gets him a little bit more on the barrel, a little bit more in line with the baseball, then it can turn around very quickly. Uh, but right now, I mean, just everything is off. And everything is off to such a degree that his numbers are just in the toilet. Um, one thing that you know I am seeing that does stand out: swinging and missing at, at breaking balls in the strike zone is jumped up 
considerably. He was around 20% last year. You know, his high was 35, but he kind of hangs around that that quarter mark. Um, it's up to nearly 50% right now. He's at, you know, 42%. So it's over doubled on being able to even just make contact on breaking balls in the strike zone. So if he gets the hanger, especially, he's not doing anything with it. So when it's bad, it's all bad, especially when you play the game. And he's just wondering how he's going to get out of it. And then he will eventually. And then it'll go back to figuring out how that was so hard and getting into a slump again. That's the natural cycle of a hitter. It just it stinks when he start out that way. Yeah. And Evan is... Would a move to AAA be beneficial to him, or should Bud Black stick to the playbook and just let him figure it out here at the big league level? I think literally either one of those is is a perfectly fine thing. The main thing is that you really do need to keep giving him at-bats so he can try and work his way out of it. The worst possible thing you can do is just flat-out bench him, and that's why him being out of the lineup the last couple of days with back soreness, uh, you got to wonder how that's going to affect him because he, you know, missed three or so games of, of at bats, but it's tough because he is not of, of all of the players on the team right now. He is the, he is the biggest detriment to this club where pretty much all of his stats are either dead last or close in the entire league among qualified batters where it's just absolutely brutal. And he had, he had what was considered somewhat of a slow start last year when he came back from his um, spring training injury, but that's nothing compared to this. So in, in my article that I put up on Thursday, I compared his first 14 games of 2021 and 2022, 2021 slashing 257, 327, 349 in 49 plate appearances. Weighted runs created plus 73. Not amazing, not terrible. Kind of a, a slow start, if you were. 2022, in 58 plate appearances, he's slashing 078, 172, 098. His WRC plus is staggeringly bad. The next, so his negative 26 WRC plus is the worst in the league. The next lowest is negative four. Like that's just how far down the hole that he's dug himself goes. Striking out more, he's walking more, which is good. But uh, like like Kenneth talked about, he is swinging at a lot more pitches, uh, both inside and outside of the zone. So he's swinging more at breaking pitches in the zone. And he's swinging more at pitches outside of the zone as well. So you're seeing pitchers be more aggressive with him in return where they're putting the ball, uh, they're throwing more first pitch strikes. They're also throwing more pitches outside the zone because he's going to try and chase them. And he's not always going to strike out. He can make some contact, but that contact is going to be weak. He's, uh, he's put barrel to ball on something like 5.4% of the pitches that he has seen and made contact with. And when he's not, if he's not striking out, he's generally generating high ground ball contact and he's getting on top of the pitch. So his ground ball percentage right now is 51.6. And he's getting on top of pitches to something like 39%. It's just, 
he's he's got a good swing, and people have praised his swing. Nolan Arenado praised his swing back in the day. He's got a, a very good, tight, compact swing that he can put a lot of use to. And we know that he can be a good player. We watched him be a good player last year and earn that everyday second baseman role. But right now, it's it's so difficult because he's really not earning that everyday starting role. He's slumping so, so hard. And it's 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 a detriment to the team, but you can't just bench him and go, you can't play anymore until you figure this out because he needs to keep swinging the bat to figure it out. And it really just does make me wonder if it would be better to send him down to AAA Albuquerque where he has historically flourished um, in the better part of three seasons with AAA slash 322, 375, 520. But all you can really do is keep giving him at-bats no matter where he goes and hope that eventually he's going to be able to climb out of this hole because, we, like I said, we know he can be a good ball player. We watched him really come into his own last year, and nobody knows better than him that he's slumping. And it's not like he's out there having a great time with, with how rough of a start of the season he's going. And all you can really do is continue to feed him at bats wherever that is and hope that he's going to be able to get out of it. Yeah, to just to piggyback a little bit on it, I, I don't think if he ended up going to Albuquerque, it's the worst thing in the world um, because you can't just – sitting on the bench isn't, isn't going to make the problems go away. And you can also play Trejo, who has been playing pretty well. There is you know a viable replacement in the lineup that can keep producing – for the squad, um, I think the most telling number for Brendan Rodgers right now is one. That's how many hits he has against a fastball this year, and it's a single. In tw- in 30 plate appearances, he has one hit for a single. He has yet to barrel a fastball, according to uh, Baseball Savant, and his hard hit percentage, which was at 45% on fastballs last year, is at 26 right now. So he's just he's not even hitting fastballs in the zone, and there there just needs to be reps seeing it more and you can't use the major leagues as a figure it out time so if it doesn't turn around him having to just you know work it out in albuquerque while trey hill gets his extended chance i think that's a totally fine solution yeah and we've got garrett hampson coming back here pretty soon from the injured list so rockies have some roster moves to make as rosters are constricting here pretty soon as well by the day this comes out so Lots to figure out, but we know what Brendan Rodgers can do. He's just having a rough go of it right now. Um, hopefully he can figure it out because we need his bat in the lineup. And he is a pivotal part, of, pivotal part of this team. They need him. So hopefully he can figure it out and just improve that plate discipline, pitch recognition, start barreling some things up because we know his power potential. So hopefully we'll, we'll see what happens, but the Rockies have some tough decisions and the tough decisions to make here in these early goings of the season of trying to get the most out of their roster. But one last thing we can move on to talk about here. Uh, it is end of April, and something we always like to do is try and do a player of the month here. And so we'll ask you guys. We'll start with uh, max choices here. So you can pick a... Pitcher of the month, a position player of the month, 
And then between your two picks, you can select an MVP of the month. And so for Mac, uh, for him, he told us he's got Chad Cool as his pitcher of the month, Randall Gritchick as his player of the month. Uh, He'll have to maybe elaborate on this next time we hear from him. And then his overall MVP for the month of April was Randall Gritchick. Uh, Pretty interesting picks here. We can just tear Max apart if we want to. But I mean, I think he just once he made that catch in Texas, I think Mac was sold. He's just like, I don't yeah. need any other details. I saw that catch, and that is my MVP. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it worked for me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll start with we'll start with Evan here. Uh, what are your picks? Pitcher, player, and MVP. So. Between pitcher, I'm torn because I definitely want to go with Chad Cool, who, who I think deserves it. But a guy I really, really want to shout out is Justin Lawrence, who has been very strong through the month of April. Um, I think ultimately I will go Chad Cool for all of the reasons that we talked about earlier in this podcast. So I'm going to use my time to talk about Justin Lawrence instead. ERA 169 over 10 and two-thirds innings. He's only given up seven hits and only two earned runs. He struck out 13. He's still walking at a at a decent clip, but not to the degree that we've seen him do before. He's got seven walks uh, for a BB9 of 5.9, and that can go lower. Made huge adjustments. He's throwing his nice whippy slider a lot more. Uh, he's eased off the gas on his fastball down to topping out generally about 96 where it could previously top out at about 102. He's been great. And if Chad Cool wasn't having the electric start to the season out of the rotation and being one of our best rotation pitchers, uh, I would definitely give it to Justin Lawrence. But So Chad Cool is my pitcher of the month, but seriously, honorable, honorable mention to Justin Lawrence who's really been figuring out this year. And then my position player, uh, I like Max picks of, of Randall Gretchik because he's been hitting very well, but I'm going to go with Connor Joe. Uh, Connor Joe, I, at the beginning of the season, before spring training concluded, was really touting that you need to make Connor Joe a everyday starter. And he pretty much has been. He's played in 18 games so far and during that 18 games he's put together a 12 game hit streak while slashing 273 49 514 he's already got four home runs for seven rbis he's got a stolen base he leads the team in walks drawn tied with ryan mcmahon with eight the the one downside is that he's he's striking out a little bit more i think but i think a lot of that has to do with the with some of the overall team issues that we've talked about earlier in the season uh, he's been working really, really well as the DH. We've seen him play at first base. We've seen him play in right field. We've seen him play in left field. He has been an everyday Swiss Army knife for the Rockies and has been really, really good. Absolutely, absolutely worth having in our starting lineup every day. Personality-wise, he's incredibly beloved. He's a warrior. He's a fighter. He's a, he's a great guy. Everybody seems to love him, and... I'm just so, so happy that he not only got that starting spot of being an everyday starter, but he's doing so well with it, especially when last year was essentially his rookie season at age 28 to 29. And now, all of a sudden, he's a fan favorite Mm -hmm. Rocky. And then who's your MVP overall between those two? 
Between the two, I think I'll go Connor Joe. G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah, and I forgot to mention, uh, Mac also had an honorable pick of Connor Joe as an honorable mention. But, no, I, I like those picks. How about you, Kenneth? What What are your three picks? Um, so on the pitching side, uh, you know, I'll echo the sentiment of it's hard to pick against cool. Um, but I'll go ahead and just be an anarchist and do it anyways. Um, so I will, I'll say Daniel Bard on the pitching side. I think it's very easy for us to expect the worst when it comes to Daniel Bard. Um, I think there's a bit of a stigma that we have of, oh no, here we go again, especially with the way last year ended, but he's been solid. And, you know, we talk about the bullpen, um, at least in the first half of the month, really kind of being um, a prominent piece for successful baseball. Well, Daniel Bard, so far this season, has five saves. He has seven innings pitched, but he has no walks. He has nine Ks. He's allowed five hits in that time. So there has been a very reliable reliever in Daniel Bard this entire season. He did have a little bit of hiccups against Texas and Chicago. The Texas one especially got... Um, a little wonky, but if we want to talk and, and give credit where it's due to the bullpen, Bard has been a very, um, reliable piece so far for Bud Black and for the Rockies. So I'll give some love, um, to Bard because he definitely deserves it for how he's gone this season. And then, uh, when it comes to the position player side, I mean, CJ Crone just came out on fire to, to start the season and, we talk about the good times of April. Well, CJ Crone was as good as it got. A 957 OPS for the month. Um, really, when you talk about the position player side between Grichik, between Joe, and between Crone, I mean, that has to be the, the upper echelon of what's been going on. Um, the power numbers are, you know, seven home runs in April. He is up there with the big boys in the league um, as a predominant power hitter. Uh, so, CJ Crone, I'll go ahead and give him. Um, the nod is my position player, and I'll give him uh, MVP as well on my side. Awesome. Say the line, <laughs> Skyler. I will. Yeah, and for me, pitcher of the month, Chad Cool. I don't need to elaborate much more on him. Uh, but, yes, as for my player of the month, uh, it was Brendan Rodgers. No. <laughs> uh, for player of the month, it was um, Cronesai is ready. Yay. Yeah, I, you can't go against the Crone Zone. He is that power, the power man in the offense. Um, he's the cream of the crop. He will snap into a Slim Jim uh, because the opponent ain't going nowhere because he's got you for nine innings of playtime. What else does he say in that Spider-Man movie? Uh, I mean, the, cr- the cream does it, rise to the top and he is at the top in a lot of categories Ooh, yeah. right now. The crone does rise to the top. Oh yeah. But the cream <laughs> of the crop. But yeah, CJ Crone, seven home runs leading the team up in the top of the majors, 18 ribbies. He's doing everything and he's striking out a little bit more than you want, but that's okay because he's hitting the ball, getting his extra base hits. Crone's exactly what you want as your cleanup batter. Uh, He's just doing great. 49 total bases on the season so far. He is driving that offense and doing his part. And I just love C.J. Crone. And if you want to support C.J. Crone's, be a fan of C.J. Crone, you can head over to Purple Row. There's a new Crone Zone t-shirt. 
that you can go pick up. It's pretty cool. I'm still contemplating coming very close to getting one. Just because that's sweet. But yeah, CJ Crone, Player of the Month. He's my MVP as well for the month of April. He's just doing it all, and I, I'm looking forward. If he can stay in that home run lead and then get into the home run derby, ooh, that'd be sweet. But that would be fun. We'll see. He'd be a good home we'll run see. derby participant. I'd love to see him in the derby. But I think that's gonna the, that's gonna do it here for our for this edition of Affected by Altitude. Always a pleasure having everybody here. Uh, Kenneth, thanks for joining us. Where can the folks find you? What have you been working on? Uh, so you can always find me on Purple Row. Um, I'm a bit of a weekend warrior um, with the Saturday rock pile, really just setting the table for your Sunday rock pile, Skyler. Um, and then I have uh, the Monday Pebble Report. Uh, we also have the Pebble Report podcast coming out, you know, um, so always keep an eye out for that. And then you can find me on Twitter at KDub1988. Nice. Always doing a lot of good work with Kenneth. We always appreciate his inputs here on the podcast, subbing in off the bench as new Mac. Uh, we'll just get you working on that uh, wrestling references and Kingdom Hearts references. I am, man. I got but, like Hulk Hogan and Sting, and that's about it so far. <laughs> that's the only ones I know from days playing WCW versus NWO World Tour on the 64. That's exactly where my knowledge source is. Yep. <laughs> I still have that cartridge lying around somewhere. Evan, where can the folks find you? Uh, so you can find me at Twitter at at Evan underscore Lang 27. Love to hear from you. And then you can find me on Purple Road doing my Thursday rock piles and my Sunday game coverages generally. Um, sometimes I swap with other people, but for the most part, I'll be doing Sundays. And you can also find us at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter account, which is at Altitude Effect. We would love to hear from you there as well. Awesome. And Skyler, where can people find you at? You can find me on, uh, on Twitter at at Sideline underscore Crowd. Uh, always doing stuff there. And then I've got my Sunday rock piles. Also, quick to mention, happy birthday, Purple Row. It turned 17 years old. Uh, what a pleasure to be a part of this. But yeah, it's 17. It still can't but it vote. it can watch R-rated movies. But that's okay. And within days of Purple Row turning 17, happy Yay. birthday, Skyler. Eh. 17 that's as well. That's less exciting. You're getting old like the rest of us. You're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, I've already got the back tightness and soreness, so. I am. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> but that's going to do uh, it for Skyler this. Skylar Timmons is a late scratch from the podcast lineup with back soreness. Yes, I'm going to use Sorry, that here pretty soon. But, <laughs> but that's going to do it here for this edition of Vected by Altitude. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Evan, hit him with it. Farewell! Nice.